You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 106, featuring special guest Diana Giulietti of Norwegian Cruise Line's Jersey Boys. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Did you know that Actor Aesthetic has an online store? You can now search through the Actor Aesthetic shop to find downloadable cover letter samples, resume templates, audition journal spreadsheets, and hundreds of audition song suggestions categorized by voice type and genre. Level up your audition game and go to actoraesthetic.com shop. Well, hey friends, it's Maggie, and thank you so much for joining us this week for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Today's episode features a chat with Diana Giulietti. If you don't already know her from her fantastic content on TikTok, you are in for a treat. Diana just finished her contract on Norwegian Cruise Line playing Mary Delgado and Jersey Boys just before COVID-19. Her favorite credits include Lizzie in Lizzie, Heather Duke in Heathers, and Alexi Darling and Dance Captain in Rent at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. That aside, Diana thrives on empowering and lifting up women. Not only is she beautiful and talented, she is also incredibly funny, so you will really enjoy today's episode. Without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. So Deanna, where did you initially grow up, and how did you get involved in theater? Okay, this is the corny story. No. Here we go. (laughs) I was born and raised in Cheshire, Connecticut. My whole life, small town girl, like that's the whole gig. My mom had my sister, Amanda, and when she was born, she said to my father, we need to have another child to entertain Amanda. (laughs) And that was literally why I was born, why I was here. That's what I've done like just my entire life is entertain my sister, entertain my family. And then it just grew into something more. I was like, oh wait, I'm literally meant for this either it's to make people laugh and then I started singing and I had beautiful music teachers from day one I was so blessed with teachers in all school systems who were like you know what you have something let's build that encouraged me helped me grow and I was like wow wait I love singing it makes people smile making people laugh is amazing let's performing done and my life was really set up for me just from the beginning so entertaining there was no other option for me really you knew did you always know that you wanted to pursue a career in musical theater no once I hit high school I became like obsessed with glee and I was like you know I think I could make it as a pop star and that's kind of because I knew I was always the class clown type so I was like I kind of have this like crazy personality that other people don't have I feel like Maybe that would work as a pop star kind of. So I I went to school to focus mainly on my voice, like classical music, opera training. 
And I was like, let's see where that takes me, like doing that. And I, all the while I was doing musicals and I don't know if I put it together that that until late, much later in life, looking back where I was like, wait a minute, I have all of these drama awards, like all awards from roles I've played and impacts I've made through roles in musical theater. But why am I thinking I'm going to be the next K-pop star where... (laughs) Where storytelling is really what it is. That didn't hit me till later in life, for sure. When you were a senior in high school, did you go through the the college audition process, like the typical college audition process, or were you looking more towards something else? I I did go through the typical musical theater process. However, mm-hmm. looking back, I did it all wrong. No, I, talk to me about it. Literally. I didn't know... In my hometown, everybody goes to college when they graduate. So your junior year, you better know where you want to go. And if you don't, you're an outsider. And I was so afraid to tell people I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I was walking around like, absolutely, yeah. Like, what are you doing? And if they were like, oh, we're auditioning at Emerson, I'd be like, absolutely. That night I would go home and apply (laughs) because I had no idea. I wasn't looking into it. I didn't even know what a conservatory was, to be honest. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't thinking. And my parents have just always been supportive. They were, they've always been like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Don't push yourself. But the stigmatism of you need to know exactly where you're going and what you're doing right now. I fell, I fell and I was afraid to speak up. And Mm -hmm. look, if I was looking back, I should have been someone that took a gap year and I should have taken that year to be like, okay, do I want to go to a private school for four years? Do I want to go to a public school and maybe not do a BFA in musical theater, but experience college life, experience football games and things like that? Or should I go to a two-year conservatory instead of a college? I didn't take that time to assess where I wanted to be. And it rushed me into the audition process, the theater audition process. And it really... I was still trying to figure out even like what kind of an artist I wanted to be. So it did affect like all my auditions and everything. Like you, like I should have taken a gap year, but looking back at all of those auditions, like when I auditioned for Emerson, um, Ithaca, Syracuse, they were asking me questions about how I wanted to perform and what a performer I wanted to be. And I didn't even know. And that's when, you know, you're not ready. Like you're not ready. But do you think ultimately that, you know, where you went to school or where you wanted to go to school and where you didn't end up, do you think that ultimately even affected your career moving forward? No, not (laughs) even a chance, not even a chance. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Oh my gosh. At the end of the day it's what you take out of it a hundred million percent I learned I again I was so fortunate like everyone at my school I I went to Hofstra University yeah and everyone in um that I crossed path with whether it was my vocal performance major my drama major my communications major my religion major I Mm. ended up I ended up majoring in theater performance with a minor in communications and religion and I have booked theater jobs from people I met in classes of psychology. Wow. You just, it's mostly about, yeah, it's mostly about networking, being positive and like honing, like finding out who you are and you can do that anywhere. 
You really can do that anywhere. If you surround yourself with the people who are super ambitious and you create yourself and you can bring something to the table, boom, you're making magic. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. All that so, stress I had, like all of I'm that not stress. Going to Michigan. Like I'm yeah. not going there. <laughs> All of that stress. You always end up where you're supposed to be. And right. even though you said, you know, maybe I should have taken a gap year, but you're doing just fine. So, yes, yes you yes. know, it is what it is. Exactly. Uh, so you did study theater performance. So did you, uh, how do you feel as though your, your training there at Hofstra prepared you for a career in theater? So I went for first, uh, my freshman year, I was a bachelor of science in vocal performance. Okay. So I was heavily learning about classical music and I think I will never not have a classical voice teacher because my voice went from just like a fresh little Mm. flower to I could sing the phone book and I'm confident like I'm very you know what I mean like and I believe that classical training is so important through that what I also learned from being a (laughs) vocal performance major was the kind of world that that lives in you are and the way, and this is my training. This is just what I gathered. You're on your own. You're on your own. And it's a cutthroat industry. And I've never been a, I am the diva kind of gal. And there's nothing wrong with being that. That's fierce. I love people who are like that. I thrive in group settings, thrive. I'm an extrovert. I need other brains. I want to work with you. I want to help hear what creative ideas you have and explore them. And that's what ultimately pushed me into the, theater performance not vocal performance major so then I ended up a drama major so I did not do a BFA I was a bachelor I was a BA and what did I learn from that program wow I learned everyone's journey is completely different um it's important to know all different sides of the theater you should know how to build a set and you should do it um I learned how important it is to be a part of the big performances that are happening. Like, you know, your school's musical, the big one and the big dance. Even if you're not in it, you've got to be surrounded by it. You've got to be inside it and watching. You're going to learn way more from performing in it. And even if you're not performing in it, write something that you didn't know. Step out of the comfort zone. Try a new makeup style and wear it to an audition like you learn way more from throwing yourself inside of something than sitting back and and uh reading it and hope watching someone else do it you've got to consume yourself in it or you're not gonna not not gonna make it you're gonna make it who am i to say you're not gonna make it but (laughs) you're gonna learn more from it yeah you're gonna be a lot better off if you are absorbing from all aspects and i like that you mentioned that it's important to also learn the logistics of building a set and costuming and, and oh, yeah. makeup because you also gain such a respect for the people who are working around you and helping you lift yeah. up a performance. Yeah. You know, the performers are always the ones that are in the spotlight, but it's really everything else that's holding you up. And so you, you, you earn this respect for um, the people who are surrounding you in the theater industry. That's really important. And how many times have you heard like, <laughs> don't hate on the sound guy. <laughs> He'll turn off your mic. Yeah. Do that. That's real. <laughs> he will. He will. He will. 
or the lighting guys, they'll just like casually miss your cue. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, Dion was mean today. Mm, sorry, no spotlight. She's gone. She's gone. <laughs> so what was your, talk to me about your transition from college to the quote unquote real world. Okay. So my, um, the last six months of college, a friend, a friend who was a few years older than me already living in the city had, there was doing an off-Broadway children's show. I was like an off-Broadway children's show, like put me in coach. What? And I went in and did a reading and I like ended up joining them straight away. And then it was like a six month thing until it ended right at my graduation was like my last weekend of that show. And I was like, amazing. I already have this credit on my resume. Like that's Mm going to be the best thing in the world. (laughs) And then I, that show though, we worked maybe six shows a week. Um, I was getting paid nothing for off Broadway, absolutely nothing. And I was like, how am I going to afford an apartment in the city when I have been actively working in the profession that I've been trained for, but I have no money. So that was like instantly, I was terrified because once that show closed, I was like, okay, I now have just one credit on my resume, Mm -hmm. no job. I started selling knives, (laughs) started selling knives for money. And then I finally scraped up enough money to move into the city, but because I have like, unfortunately, I have no like support financially. So I had to do it on my own. So I was like, okay, make (laughs) selling these knives got me my first New York apartment. And we're very happy to this day. Wow. Went in and then literally the audition the next day happened to be um, for rent at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yeah. And I booked that straight away. That was the day. The next I day. Yeah. Wow. So it was like a very Great fortunate time. situation <laughs> to have that on the resume, to be working uh-huh. with these people, making the connections instantly. Definitely. And then really for me, it was a snowball from there, but that is connections. Like that is easily networking in the people that I knew at the time, mm. because I went in that audition for rent and there was a guy who had graduated from my school four years ago, sitting behind the table next to Anthony Rapp. Crazy. I was like, I'm having a heart attack about Anthony Rapp, but also I know you. So did I book the job? <laughs> I was like, wow. And how funny would that have been? Had you have taken a gap year, you might not have even ever gone to that absolutely. school. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. So it oh, really, well, it all works out. That's... It really all works out. When I came home from that, Having rent on my resume got me my next job as Tarzan in, no, I didn't play Tarzan. I'm like, <laughs> I <like>, wish. <laughs> I, I was a monkey in Tarzan <laughs> at um, White Plains Performing Arts Center right wow. after. Mm-hmm. None of those jobs paid for my apartment. Mm. And that, so in the eyes of my school, I was the success story. I was the girl who booked work. I had an off-Broadway show in school. I was working with Anthony Rapp and Tommy Bracco in in Scotland. And then I got my first regional gig all within the same year I graduated. However, I could not afford food. I wasn't eating and not because I was going through anything. I did not have the money to eat because these dream shows were not paying my bills. And then after Tarzan, I actually had to move out of the city and move in with my grandfather because I couldn't pay rent. Wow. 
And I had, and I went home and he was like, maybe you should reconsider like what you're going to do. And I was like, I can't like, this is, this is my blood. This is my lifeline. But doing these shows made me broke. And I was like this, Mm. I need to do some readjusting. I need to rethink, like, maybe I'll only accept the jobs that can pay for rent. I mean, living in a city is so expensive. It's so, and it's hard if you, if you don't have the help, it, for me, it was impossible. I had to move in with my grandfather and I was taking care of him. I was helping him, Mm -hmm. but he lived in New Haven, Connecticut. So I was taking a two hour train ride in to get to auditions. So I was getting on the 4 a.m. train to get there at 6 a.m. And you know, I'm as a non-union at the time, as a non-union, you've got to get there so early and wait all day to see if maybe you get a chance at an audition. So I ended up getting a job as a waitress and a job at Flywheel Sports. So I was working as a waitress in the morning, working at Flywheel at night, and I was hoping to get seen for an audition during the afternoon before and right after lunch. In my heart, I was like, I need to book that miracle job that's going to make me a lot of money really fast, and I'm going to be able to perform. And for me, that was cruising. And it just so happened to line up. They auditioned in the spring, and it was like right during that time, like I would train in, uh, sign my name up on the cruise audition list, go to work as a waitress, jump in for my cruise audition, and then go to work at Flywheel Sports before having to take a two-hour train ride back to Connecticut. And when I booked that cruise job, I was I cried I cried for ages because I was like, this will be my lifeline, so I can live in the city and actually pursue my dream now. You know, like yeah. oh my gosh, wow. I found it so I I found it so hard and nobody prepares you for that transition. Like you can be doing your dream job, but it may not pay your bills. And that can, that was a huge learning lesson for me. Like, wow. Yeah. That's tough. There's, you know, a training program, wherever you go, even if you don't go to school, that, that information you're not going to learn unless you are actually in the thick of it or someone, a mentor tells you this information. And unfortunately paid acting gigs, especially if they're non-union, are more likely than not not going to be able to sustain you uh, alone. You know, you're going to have to have another job that's going to give you supplemental income, something that's going Mm -hmm. to sustain you while you're pursuing your passions or while you are building your resume, especially when you are fresh and you are ready and you are finally in the city. Yeah. So that's important to know because how do you think that you – adjusted after that first year after living with your grandfather how do you think that you your mindset adjusted after that so that you could succeed and live on your own and be financially independent oh yeah I it was fight or flight from there I was Mm -hmm. like okay what am I gonna do am I going to have to there was where my grandfather lived there was a rock climbing gym like five minute walk from where we were and I was like okay am I going to pursue a career at this rock climbing gym (laughs) or am I gonna fight and wake up early and get my butt to these auditions and pick up two jobs so that I can live in the city and it came down to okay like that's the life that I chose and if this is going to tear me apart I'm doing it and then it became like 
how do I spread myself so thin, but keep the positive attitude and keep the mental health that you need for auditions and constantly being rejected. So that was its whole new game of like, you need to remember that your waitress job is your job. And surround, if, if you've got good people, if you've got good coworkers, embrace them and let them be, let them lean on them, use them if you need yeah. them. I was so fortunate where I, I have to shout out where I worked. I worked at yeah. the green table in Chelsea market. It closed, unfortunately, no. but I know, but the coworkers that I had were the most supportive, wonderful, loving people that they got me through that next year. Like, but, well, before I went on the cruise, I was there for mm. like seven, no, maybe six months I was there. And those people got me through mentally because they were like, we've got you. Let's go over audition cuts together. Let's bounce scenes off each other. So we were still finding a way to keep <laughs> serving these amazing burgers to our customers creative mm. because we had each other. But I know some people don't have like really good coworkers like that. Yeah. But just remember, it's a job. You recently, which is so cool, you recently played Mary Delgado yeah. in Jersey Boys on Norwegian. Tell us about your audition process for that one. Uh, my favorite thing to talk about in the world. What yeah. an amazing creative team. I hope mm -hmm. you're listening. <laughs> I went in for the audition and I am very Italian. And <laughs> everyone listening, I love the Italian side of myself. It's the best part of myself. I love pasta. Moving on. I went in for the audition and I was the only Italian girl in that room. And I knew I was getting the role. Instantly. It was not a question. I walked in, I sang, um, oh my gosh, what is it? One Night With You from All Shook Up. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me behind the table and she was like, I love you. And I was like, don't be saying that if you're not going to give me the job, but I love you too. And then I left, <laughs> came back for the dance call. Mm -hmm. And there was a girl outside. I will never forget. She was outside putting bronzer on and she looked at me and she was like, do you think I look more Italian? And I was like, I have to be honest, no, but I love you and I support you, but no, it's not working. <laughs> and this was not hating on her at all. She just yeah. came up to me and was like, do you think it's working? And I was like, absolutely not, but good luck. And I support you. Keep it up. We get in the room and they like cut us down from 30 people to five people straight away. Wow. We did the dance. It was like... And you know how he cut it? He goes, walk across the room, walk across the room. And he made cuts from 30 to five. I was like, this is amazing. That's and incredible. It was just the way you walk, the way you hold yourself. Mm -hmm. And we danced to crazy in love. So I was like, all right, we're strutting. We're, we're not walking, we're strutting. Uh -huh. And then from the five of us, we did like uh, a lot of harmony exercises. And then we got to do the scene work. And like, I don't know if you know Jersey Boys, but the fight scene, mm -hmm. it was me and the reader. Obviously, I was like super uh, memorized. I was super prepared with everything. At least I will say the one thing that I always do is always be prepared in your callbacks and in your auditions. Yes. Like even yes. if you're up all night memorizing it, it matters. You become the girl that was memorized and that yes. matters so much. So just like a little tip, take it, don't, whatever, but I do it. And I went in there memorized with this kid and we were yelling at each other and we were so present. Like afterwards, after we finished the scene, he looked at me and he was like, I have never done the scene this way and I've done this show for 10 years. And I was Whoa. like, I got the role. <laughs> I was like, you knew. And then, and then the, 
Richard Hester behind the table was like, are you from Jersey? Like you sound, um, you sound like my arguing parents. Like, are you from Jersey? And I was like, I was like, no, I'm just a, like a girl from Connecticut. And he was like, yeah, you're it. And it was just like one, of, it was one of those puzzle piece roles where you walked in and you knew. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes that magical moment happens and I will never, ever forget it. Like that will be my favorite story. Absolutely. How quickly yeah. did you find out you got the role? Oh, with Norwegian, they take ages. Yeah. So, and this was for Norwegian Cruise Lines, but three weeks later, I got an email to audition from Richard for New World Stages mm-hmm. and for the Jersey Boys at New World Stages. And I was like, oh my gosh, are they considering That's for so this? Awesome. Whoa. Yeah. So I went in for that three weeks later. Then two weeks after that, I got like, they called me in for a private session, a private dance session. And I was like, oh my God, are you really considering me for New World Stages? That would be a dream of my lifetime. (laughs) I had just bought Leducas though for the first time. I know the first time ever. So I was in this private dance class. You were breaking them in. I was bleeding. (laughs) My heels were bleeding. Oh my God. I've never been more like, wow, this is so New York. Like I'm breaking in my heels (laughs) at a life-changing audition. And then, um, Three weeks after that, I got an email that I was cast on Norwegian. Wow. And I, I, was, I was on the beach and I got the email and I was like, you can't take me down. You know, get it. Like it is. It is such a high after struggling for a really long time. It's always a high to get that yes. Yeah. Always, you know. And if, sometimes I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be like sharing this with the world. or You know what I mean? But then it's like. You take so many hits. You take so many. You get to celebrate the celebrations. You get to live in that, you know? You have spent some time performing on ships and performing regionally. Yes. How would you say a ship contract differs from a regional theater contract? A ship contract. If you're doing a book show on a ship contract... You spend a month rehearsing, and this I'm speaking for Norwegian Cruise Line. Yeah. We spent a month rehearsing that show, and I'm talking 10 to 5. You are in it. You are in the world of the show, and you're getting all this information quickly, and you need to learn it immediately because they they move you. They fly you to where you can rehearse. It becomes your life, and you better be able to pick it up quickly. And then when you get on that ship, you enjoy your life (laughs) because you only do the show two times a week wow so i was able to literally travel work out which is one of my favorite hobbies i'm not gonna lie and eat and go to the beach and then two days out of the week i was working at night wow and yes and it's a pretty penny and i recommend it to everyone honestly it's amazing it surely is a pretty penny and how did this differ from because you've i've imagined you also did like uh cabaret type shows on cruises as opposed to a book show how do those differ in rehearsals and performances on the ship i was a production singer for aida cruise lines they fly you out to germany amazing experience you spend two months in germany rehearsing and after that, you get on the boat. Um, I, you're working every single day as a production singer. The best thing I took out of that, again, I could sing the phone book. I have never been able to sing 
certain songs and like I had a solo cabaret show with songs I would never choose for myself, but I was singing Born This Way. I was singing songs that were like scrolled in the atmosphere. And it's again, it's fight or flight. It's like, okay, I need to learn about my voice, my vocal health. How can I, where's my breath support? What about my stamina? Cause on those ships, you don't have understudies. You don't get sick days. You can't be like, my voice is really not there. They will not allow that. So you need to be like, okay, even though I'm traveling all day, should I spend this day in the sun or should I spend this day in my cabin drinking my tea? Because I know that tonight's show is going to be rock music. And I know that for rock music, my voice needs to be in a certain set and it's all about learning for yourself. So the good things about production show, you're performing every single day and you're building stamina within yourself. There, there is so many positives to being a production singer and you're also traveling and you can't say that you're not enjoying yourself. You know, like I traveled the world with them, Mediterranean Sea, Western Europe, Spain, like those are memories I will cherish forever. You know, I want to switch gears because I think this oh, is such an interesting topic. And I talk a lot about social media for actors. Oh boy. So yeah, we're going to get into it. So you have over 200 thousand followers on TikTok. How did you initially get started on that app? This is so exciting for me that I have 200,000 followers. I can't even express it to you. It's incredible. I could cry. Um, (laughs) I got started with TikTok as soon as COVID hit. As soon as COVID hit, I was like, what is TikTok? Is it like Vine? What is it? Like, is it going to give me creative stimulus here? Because I had just gotten off from Jersey Boys. I got off February 2nd and then thank spent, God. Yeah. And then I moved into my apartment March 1st only to move out March 15th. And I was like, okay, my apartment is still collecting dust in the city. So I was like, where am I going to make money? My father has a construction business now. Uh-huh. So I'm working for my dad's construction business now. Incredible incredible. I can paint your house for you. And it just like, it was becoming my everyday, right? Like I would wake up at seven with my father, work with him all day till seven at night. And I complete, I was like, again, me mentally, you lose yourself when you are that creative space. You know what I mean? Like I'm constantly need to create constantly. Do I think it's a problem? Sometimes? Yeah, but it's who I am. So I was like, how, like, what is it? What is TikTok? Can I find something there that I will keep my mind at ease? Instantly, I was like, quick, easy videos I can edit easily. I will thrive. Started it up, started doing these dances, learning dances, finding creativity there. And then I just kind of started slowly sharing my experiences on TikTok, being like, hey, I'm feeling, I'm feeling lonely today. I don't really want to paint this room today. And I was so welcomed by this community of, I have people ages all over. I have people in their thirties, twenties. I have teens on my, as my followers. And I was welcomed by that community of people who were like, we feel lonely as well. Like this is a pandemic. There is a community here of people. We have you. And I was like, that's it. That I needed those words from people. I needed to see that other people were struggling. And then I was like, it's so, it's not easy for some people to show their flaws, show their vulnerability. It is very easy for me. So I was like, if this is gonna help you, 
this is exactly how I'm feeling. This is exactly what happened to me today. This is the exact rejection I got from this boy. This is the exact audition I didn't get. And to see people rally more good than bad gave me hope through this pandemic, gave me strength. We've been able to, for my birthday, I made a simple request to raise $1,000 for the Me Too movement. Oh, wow. By Friday, one whole week. My birthday was on a Friday. I asked on a Monday. We made $1,000 in one day. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just keep it open until my birthday. That's why I said it. I said I was going to match the donation of $1,000. So we had already made $2,000. And I was like, all right, let's see where we're going to go now. An anonymous donor picked it up. We made $38,000. $38,000 for the Me Too movement. And I was like, that is this community that is the result of people wanting to do something good in such a time of, of bad, you know, and it has changed my view on social media completely. It is not just something for fun. It, it, it can be, but it, it is a space for people who want community. And yes, I am so thankful. I am so thankful for my one that I've built so far. And I just wanted to honestly keep it up. And and keep the positivity going because we need it. We need it. Yes, we yeah? do. Do you find that creating content on the platform has opened doors for you to either more creative projects or more creative relationships? Yes, definitely. 100%. There are so many people who are so talented who have never left their house in the middle of America. And they've, I, for me to connect with them online and collaborate and do duets and yeah. make, I've, I've made a life, I've made three lifelong friends through TikTok videos that I've duetted because we've <laughs> just been collaborating. We lean on each other and yeah. that's art. Art connects you, you know? And, oh man. And yes, I've created so many opportunities and so many people have now seen my work because of my built fantastic, you know, Good how audience. I'm connected to you. Yeah. How I'm connected Truly. to you is through a TikTok follower who replied on your Instagram story. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's make it happen, girl. You want that it? is we'll so it. amazing. It's I am so all cool. for the positivity that social media can bring. It can be a very negative world. Absolutely. If you let it, but it can also be used for such good. So thank yeah. you for doing that work and for creating that space and oh. keeping it a safe community for your followers. That is okay. so important right now. So literally so important yeah but you're so right it can be harmful for some also i'm not like neglecting that absolutely yeah. you have to, some people you can only spend two hours you know what i mean like yeah. give, yourself, give yourself two hours a week and that's yeah. it Gosh. you know i wish i could keep myself to that <laughs> Same. oh, oh Same. <laughs> Deanna, my final question for you is if you could give one piece of advice to a young artist pursuing a career in the theater industry, what would you say? Wow, what a loaded question. Oh. <laughs> can I say two things? Yes, you can. Okay. Steve Kazee from Once the Musical, I asked him that question. Okay. And he told me, if you like anything else, do that. And I thought that was so important, not in a negative sense, in a sense of where did that question just take you just now? Did it take you to, this is my life? I don't, you know what I mean? Did it take you to a place of, there is nothing else? Because if so, never stop, literally never stop. Never end what you're doing, you're on the right path. Mm -hmm. 
and in that same vein, like don't give up at your millions of no's because you're going to get millions of them. Just take them, just take them and grow from them. And my advice is don't accept criticism from anyone you wouldn't take advice from. True. Keep those people that you ask and respect for advice, keep them in your life. And those are the people you go to for critiques. You don't just ask random people for critiques because it's going to just tear you down. You want to, you want constructive criticism to grow because there are, there are, as much as there's good in the world, there are people who are going to try to tear you down and there's, and you can't let it, which is why I say that because there's so much that you can do and everyone's going to be successful if you just do it. I'm what I believe. Yeah, I feel that. I've yet to hear that actually on the podcast. And that is absolutely true. There are going to be people that are giving you unsolicited criticism, talk about social media and it being negative. You will be getting that kind of feedback, you know, when you put yourself out there, but you're also going to get that feedback when you are a performer generally. So, you know, social media, social media specifically, I have 200,000 positive followers, right? I get hate every day. It's just, it is the nature of the beast. However, I have 200,000 positive. So you have to, you have to filter that out for yourself. You have to say, no, I respect and take advice from the people I trust because I trust them to tell me when something's bad. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not ignoring that you need to grow or change. You just need to filter where it's coming from. Yes. Yeah. Wise words. Diana, thank you so much for joining us this week. This has been so lovely. This was so inspiring. I'm ready. You're ready. She's ready to go. She's ready to go to class. She's ready to kill it. I'm taking a wicked class today. Wish me luck, everyone. If you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Until then, this is Maggie Vera signing off. Take the village. I'll see you next week.